It's the best and often the worst of IndyCar this season. Welcome to our season review on Motorsport 101. I told you we weren't quite done with IndyCar this season just yet. Thankfully, there's one more tasty morsel for you. Welcome to episode 398 of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Trey Harrison. And uh, yeah, glad you could join us for this extended edition of Motorsport 101 as we get into our IndyCar season review and uh, the best, the worst, and everything in between regarding the great series of IndyCar this year and wow yeah we you have a lot to get through so let's get straight into our co-hosts as usual cam buckley hello sir hello everyone um happy to be continuing the discussion on uh indianapolis cars yes it's it's a special one and of course rj o'connell hello sir yeah that's right Biggest, biggest IndyCar homer in the room. Biggest, biggest Indianapolis guy ever. Love the Colts. Matt Ryan's not it, but, you know, he <laughs> just doesn't have that dog in him the way the Pate did, the Andrew Luck did before he took all those hits on the head. At least he got Jonathan Taylor. You know, Jonathan Bird's Cafeteria, still the best restaurant. You know, every, t- every time I look up on my posters of the wall, I think of nothing but Offenhauser-powered roadsters. The way racing ought to be, the way it used to be. I will cleanse this chat of this USAC simp. <laughs> That's one for the quote section of our Discord right there. Oh my god. What are we what was that? <laughs> that is 90 seconds of my life I am not getting back. Um <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yes. Ignoring RJ's Indianapolis homer phase and uh, his 15 t-shirts with Joseph Newgarden on them. Um, and the 10 Buddy, more- I only have two. There's, you and I both know there is 10 more that is coming straight in from the Boss Bros merchandise store because we all know you are super license eligible, just like Joseph and, and Scott are. Me? You know? Super license eligible? Holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> I yeah, never in, would have imagined. In, All in, these hours of grinding F120 at sets have finally culminated in me getting a super license. Yeah, enjoy your precisely zero team offers because there is no way IndyCar isn't milking this story about Colton Herter at all. No. I none. just thought they wouldn't have like been interested in a 32-year-old like shut in with like <laughs> with bad cardio. <laughs> <laughs> as you do and no media training mm, mm. which is why it's weird that they have me doing anyway we're doing the indycar season review yeah the indycar season review uh we'll get into the nitty-gritty behind that right after i give us a basic wrap of where you can find us real quick we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and our personal handles at Harrison 101 HD at C Buckley 917 and at RJ O'Connell uh, motorsport101.com for uh, for all of our written content as well as our uh, all our podcasts are on there as well you can check all of our content out on there including the review of MotoGP and Aragon but for some reason I actually forgot to mention that Moto3 bike incident in the actual review 
clever me. Um, I'm a great, I'm a great writer, honestly. Um, well worth your time. Um, <laughs> and if you really like us, and I, and I mean really, really, after that goose up, you're gonna have to really like us. You can back us financially on Patreon, Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport One Hundred One. Five bucks gets you early access to all of our uh, all of our episodes live before they go to the public. There's some other perks in there, including listening to the audience and listening to these episodes live as they're being recorded. Shout out to Jason who's hey. in the chat listening to us right now. Thanks, buddy. Um, without further ado, let's get into our 2022 IndyCar season review. So, gang, let's go to our IndyCar season review here for 2022. Now, we're going to keep the similar format to what we did last year regarding IndyCar. We're going to go roughly um, back to front from where we roughly think the teams are at based on this year's results um, from bottom to top. We'll obviously will cover championship position. We'll get into some key bullet points on the team, i.e. driver performance, team performance, their futures, etc. Um, so, We'll get into that from the bottom. And, oh, no. The first name on the list, unfortunately, reads AJ Foyt Enterprises. Death, taxes, AJ Foyt Enterprises bringing up the rear. Um, Yeah. Not good. Um, Quick stat rundown. Number four card, Dalton Kellett, 25th in the championship. For those keeping score at home, yes, he was last of the all- Last of all the uh, full-time runners um, in the year. And we had we had the 14 car of Carl Kirkwood, who was second bottom in 24th. And unfortunately, the 11th car was withdrawn mid-season due to lack of funds from Rockets, who was propping up that third entry um, for a good chunk of the season, but uh, pulled out uh, halfway through. Second time in a row they've done that, unfortunately, over the course of the season. Williams, but, uh, Houston Rockets, mm-hmm. AJ Foyt Enterprises, and I mean, the only the only racing team that they committed to a full sponsorship with is Venturi. And if you're Maserati, you're thinking, I don't want to pick up that sponsorship. I'm looking mm. somewhere else. Yeah. I'll, but I'll, that's I'll... for another Formula E discussion for another time. Mm. Let's talk about AJ Foyt Racing. Um, they combined for one top 10 finish and three second round qualifying appearances. And all of that was Kyle Kirkwood. Yeesh. Dalton Kennett was bottom of all the full timers. And look, let me say on the record, and I know I'm going to get dogpiled for saying this, because if you ever talk about a driver's ability and talk about how nice a guy they are, um, that's never normally a good sign. But I wanted to. I do want to mention this, and I will keep saying this. Dalton Kellett was one of the very few IndyCar drivers or IndyCar people in general that has a genuine conscience, and he's incredibly smart. He has done so much good on social media this year towards raising awareness for good causes, raising money for those affected in the Texas shooting, talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, doing genuinely progressive things with STEM education as well as an engineer. Dolan Kennett is a great dude, genuinely great guy. And I, I do wish him the best in whatever he continues to do. And I hope he sticks around in IndyCar in some capacity because he's very good for the series. He's also probably outmatched at this level. 
I don't even think it's probably. And I will co-sign on all those things because, like, yeah. Um, Dalton Kellett would make for some well, hell of a race engineer for another team. But I, I don't think this IndyCar driving thing is working out for him. I mean, he was a fringe prospect in Indy Lights to begin with. Mm. And it obviously hasn't worked out. Kyle Kirkwood arrived with – Kyle Kirkwood could not be beaten getting up here. We had a whole podcast dedicated to why the hell isn't he getting a top flight ride? Well, he got this ride with Foyt, and there were flashes, but he had seven retirements. All of them were crashes, and I would say two of them. There was Texas when he got brushed out of the top groove, out of the bottom groove by Devil D. Francesco on a one groove track. That one wasn't really his fault. Uh, he was hit from behind by Graham Ray Hall at the end of Grand Prix and spun out. That one was really his fault. But as the season went on, you saw a lot of unforced errors. You saw a lot of incidents that were his fault, like the one with Jimmy Johnson in Toronto, like the one with David Malukas in Nashville. That one the was speed's really, there. really rough. The yeah, speed I mean, is there. The, the speed is there. That is not in question. I mean, oh, definitely. he was head and shoulders on, on lap time. Head and shoulders above everyone else at Foyt. But I guess it shows just how far Foyt off that that really didn't get him much as far as results. And this, the season, as the season wore on, it reeked of overdriving in shitty equipment. Yeah. Damaged his wrist in Detroit as well. So, you know, he was, he was injured throughout the year as well. It, it, I think Cam's spot on. I think it was the, the quintessential. I have to go over the limit to get anything out of this shitbox. Um, and it's unfortunate because in the stat sheet, it looks like, you know, Kirkwood's been dreadful this year. And I wouldn't say that. I mean, I've seen enough of Kirkwood on track to suggest that there is definitely a, still a very, very good driver there. Oh, and, and don't get us wrong. He got that parachute. I know and times have been tough at Andretti Autosport compared to what they're used to. But he got the good parachute, and it's a good thing they did because this team has been shooing up young drivers and spinning them out. Jack Hawksworth's career, killed in the crater. Carlos Munoz, hardly ever oh. seen again. Connor Daly, had to work for years just to get back to the spot. Mateus Lice, two years out of here. How in the world did Sebastian Bourdais manage four, three top five finishes with this team in the last two years? Sebastian Bourdais, different gravy. I mean... It, it it pretty much it really doesn't matter who you put in this team. They have been a factory of irrelevance since the car team started spilling back into IRL in the early 2000s. Do you want to know how long it's been since they've won a race? Long Beach 2013 to Kumasato. Takuma Sato, AJ Foyt driver. That is before both of his Indy 500s. Yeah. You want to know how long, and you then you have to go back another eleven years to find their next win. Oh my god! So that is so that is a grand total of two. That's a grand total of two IndyCar victories since the turn of the century. Two, yeah, and they and, and they and literally had, have yeah. utter irrelevance and incompetence for two decades. And they and it's not like they can blame the drivers. They've had quality drivers in their seats in that time. 
Tony Kanaan, Tony Kanaan, Carlos Munoz. I've I've screamed from the heavens, and I'm not just saying it because he's been on the show before, right? Carlos Munoz was genuinely one of the best shots to win a 500 in the field. Genuinely, point blank, he was a top five 500 runner. Killed his career. Completely, he killed his career. Has not been seen since. I weep for Carlos Munoz's career. I feel like Matt Lice was probably a little bit out of his depth, but even so, he was two and done, which in IndyCar is a death sentence. And, oh, What do you do to fix this? Because they've got, in that span, like, they've gone from Honda back to Chevrolet, right? They've gone through mm-hmm. so many different drivers. I don't it's, think you can, because they've done everything, RJ. They've shuffled all of their engineering around. They've changed manuf- engine manufacturers multiple times in this era. Uh-huh. And that lack of continuity can't do you any good. They've been operating on a good budget from sponsorship. They've been operating on peanuts. Yeah. They They've had losing ABC supply company as a sponsor a couple of years ago. Yep. That hit that hard. That hit hard, but like what's the difference in the results? They were they went from two top tens a year to one. It doesn't matter what you plug into this team. It just seems like they are fundamentally stuck at the back of the grid. And but, somebody's got to fill that 14 car. But who? Good luck. Good luck to yeah, whoever luck gets that. that spot. Because Kirkwood is the one bright spot of their year was an extra, uh, someone with an extraordinary rookie you know, junior uh, career coming up, came into the series and couldn't fix it and rode off a few cars along the way because he was having to drive hundred twenty percent to get anything out of it. Yeah, and I mean, didn't you say there was rumors for about, about that about that fourteen car next year, RJ? I mean, I'd heard like stuff about obviously Felipe Drogovic has a job next year. At no, Aston Martin. I was going to say don't. Yeah, no, don't. I, I, don't. To which I was going to reply: Is a drive at Foyt really the best you could do? Considering this was at the time where you know the 10 car Ganassi would have been open. Mm. I don't know who you get for that, but if you're, if you're a Kyle Kirkwood believer, you just got to think anecdotally, there was a time 25 years ago where another rookie driver had a terrible first season. uh, And then they went to the 27 car, which was then under the employee of team green. And I got to say, things turned out all right for Dario Franchitti. Mm. Maybe they'll turn out all right for (laughs) Kyle Kirkwood. Yeah. I mean, Driving talent, engineering talent, and sponsorship dollars, and it's a it's a bottomless pit. Yeah, it's like starting an F one manager save and immediately picking Williams. You know what you signed up for. It's just bad across the board, and that their star driver is gone. They lucked into having arguably the most talented junior prospect in the road to Indy's history, and he was second from bottom. Which and I don't think that's all on Kirkwood, which kind of says it all, really. Uh, Want to talk about um, spending what little money you have the right way, though? Mm. Let's get into Junkos Hollinger Racing. Callum Back Eilat. from the grave, Junkos Racing. Callum Eilat finished 20th in this championship. I need to remind everybody that until Brad Hollinger, formerly an investor of Williams, bought in on this team in August 2021, that race shop was a should basically should have been an abandoned shopping mall where all the anchor stores are closed and they're just waiting to tear this down and put up an Amazon fulfillment center because <laughs> that team was dead. They had fired pretty much everybody, and it showed in the 
handful, the cup of coffee that I like got at the end of last year. But they bought up Carlin Racing's old stuff and did better with it than Carlin Racing and Matt Chilton did. Uh, Callum Eilat got them into the second round of qualifying six times on road and street courses. He qualified second at Laguna Seca, and that could have been his first podium until his engine let go. Uh, not everybody picks up ovals immediately the way Nigel Mansell did. Certainly Callum had a bad wreck at the Indy 500 that messed up his hand and forced him to miss a race. But, you know, it, there are, so, there, it's a great start. It's a very promising start for Callum Eilert, given he's driving for the team that probably has the smallest amount of resources than anyone on the IndyCar grid. Um, I feel like that's an unfair assumption. Um, And, you know, Mm -hmm. this is promising stuff. Like, and it's only going to get better because they're getting a second car next year. And we'll talk about that briefly in a minute. But I I would be careful to say that because I think that the best thing that this team can do is just – expand don't you don't want to expand too quickly too early Mm. and i do think a second seat if you can get some money in that seat and get a quality driver at the same time that sets you up very well going forward but as rj said spending what you have the right way has always been something that yunkos has been very good at you know we know circumstances pretty much nearly ended this team uh, after their Indy 500 bit of 2019 ended, excuse me, with a couple of written off cars. Mm. But there's no reason to think that they can't keep this trajectory going because it is a quality organization. And Callum Eilat, I mean, he acquitted himself very well in this grid. Oh, buddy. Yeah. You want to talk about dudes that are Formula One's loss in IndyCar's game? I'm telling, I'm telling you what. I'm glad that a lot of us were wrong about the Callum Eilat doesn't want to be here propaganda because he sure looks good in one of these Indy cars. And I only, he was he was on Ganassi's shortlist. He was. And then he signed a, and then he got tied down to a long term contract extension. I, I literally put in the show notes. Did he commit too early to sticking with this team long term? Because like I, I, I do fear of Ed, the Ed Jones effect of taking on too much too soon and taking on a big a big a big role i mean we because back then we were thinking hey there's a good chance polo's not coming back next year and you know apparently one of the guys on the chip shortlist for the 10 seat was callum Eilot. <laughs> apparently david malukas was on there too um so chip was clearly looking for a younger driver to maybe nurture into the role and well there you go. Um, Kanamana was on that shortlist. I wonder, has he committed a bit too soon? I mean, if he's talking about a long-term deal, you're thinking at least two years. Is Junkos going to make big enough strides to justify keeping a driver of his talent? Because if, if Kanan keeps this up, he's going to get a lot of suitors. I like that, though. I like him hmm. committing to this team, and I think this team has shown all the right signs hmm. you know, so far. It's realistically, though this team shares the name, Yunkos was dead in the water. Yeah, in middle oh. of last, middle of twenty twenty one. It's a very young team with a very promising core. I like that he's committed to them and wants to build this team up. Yeah, I th- this year I think he showed the talent that he can do that. Hmm. 
I don't know. I mean, if you're, I'm, I'm glad he's committed, and you know, it's a, it's a cool story. It's, it's a great coup for Junkos to have Callum to build around for the next couple of years at least. That's a steal, given that he could have easily jumped ship at the end of this year, um, given he was being affiliated with some really big name opportunities. So, it's a great coup for them to keep Callum on. I just wonder if, like, if this outlet, especially given expansion, has been tricky for other teams we'll get to um that you know they're gonna make big gains on what they've had this year because i mean yeah i think canham's a bit better than 20th overall on the Mm. season um but how much the pace was there for more and obviously missing a race hurt i'll definitely didn't help let's say Um, they you know from circumstances outside of their control they left quite a few points on the table um they can get those back next year you never know could sneak a win. I mm. tell you that those Chevrolet engines, top class. Mm. Mm. Both engines this year in IndyCar, you know. Oh yeah, pretty yeah. pretty good parity in this. You know the waning days of the two point twos. Yeah, should we talk about the the uh, 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 brothers in pink? Oh, the brothers yeah. in pink, Meyer Shank Racing. Mm. Elliot uh, Castroneves and Simon Pagano, a lot of experience, but out of that 15th and 18th in the championship for Pagano and Castroneves, respectively. Wait, what? They just won the Indianapolis 500 and they got a former series champion and Indy 500 winner. Yeah, I mean, the death lineup didn't quite work, but I mean, seventh for Elio on the day with Simon right there as well. He did have to come back from 27th on the grid, and that is solid. That is pretty solid. That is damn but... solid. Uh, got mm. a bad qualifying slot. But is he worth keeping around for another full season, given he turns that magnificent dude turns 48 next May? 48 years Elio young. Castro Neves acts like, acts like a 25-year-old most of the time. He has so much youthful energy. But as the great Bob Costas once says, even Superman apparently gets tired, and there were there were still flashes that Elio still got it. You know, he came back through the field in the five hundred. Uh, he had three top tens. He made the fast sits at a street course this year. He led a lap, mm. but you know that was about it. You know, he, the only crash he had wasn't his fault, but you know, it's look for my money. Elio Castroneves is the greatest driver that never won a national championship, certainly at the modern age. And the four Indy 500s, oh, yeah. more than makes up for that. But I'm expecting next year to be his last season as a full-time competitor. And for some, many are wondering if that's one too many. Simon I mean, Pagano. Uh, your man's cam. So talk, talk to me about your man's. You know, he probably was a little bit better across the board than the results showed, mm. but it still wasn't great. Um, high point of second at the Indy Grand Prix, albeit no one was beating Colton Herta that day. Buckets uh, on buckets on buckets of rain. We'll get back to that race in a bit. Mm. Yeah. Um, it kind of just ended up mid for Meyer Shank. Uh, the 500 was a bright spot given, you know, ungood qualifying, but at the end of the day, really just outgunned by uh, by the Ganassi and McLaren cars. 
Yeah, but that was about it. They kind of just spent the whole season treading water, both Castroneves and Pagano. That's a strange thing to think about, considering Simon Pagano was hovering around the top 10 in the points for most of the season until uh, the the wheels just kind of fell off a little bit towards the end. And it's yeah, not like but... he's just completely washed up. Simon Pagano is here. Simon Pagano is here to help push the team forward in the long term. Yeah, and that didn't really come to pass this year. They kind of just stayed where they were. I mean, I would say Pagano was more consistent than Harvey was in the same seat. But the peaks weren't really any higher, whether that's on him. You know, it's been a long time since that final uh, since that final stint of Lamar 2011. Mm. But or or if that's the uh, or if that's just the peak of where Shank is. But I got to see more out of this team next year from, from both guys and from the team itself. Yeah. I'm not yeah. willing to write this off as a failure just yet, but That's I want to see a little bit more. Having Elio around is the ultimate Indy 500 X factor if they can nail the setup on that car. Oh, yeah. He's just, he is different gravy at the 500. Yeah. I was, I was going to make this point. Like, was Pagano any better than Jack Harvey was last year? And the answer is they were pretty much identical. And thanks to, to RJ for digging up the, the key stats. Harvey last year was 13th in the points. Pagano was 15th. Harvey had two finishes in the top five. Pagano had that one podium at the Indy Grand Prix. Harvey had six top tens. Pagano had seven. Harvey had four appearances in the far six in qualifying. Pagano had two. Virtually identical seasons, basically. You can make the case that Harvey was maybe a little bit better. But... Not much. A big, big component of that as well is, you know, in the overall scheme of this year, the resurgence of Penske up at the mm. front, pretty much having most, if not all, of their cars in the fast six every single weekend. Mm. Um, and Andretti kind of falling off a cliff. Both factors. Def- so both six of one, factors. half a dozen of the other. Indeed. Speaking of struggles. Ray Hall, Lemon, Lanigan racing. Mm, lots to unpack here. Yeah. Um, free car lineup. Uh, Graham Ray Hall was 11th in the 15 car. Christian Lingard, who was rookie of the year, 13th overall uh, for them, uh, for Christian on that one in the 30 car. And then Jack Harvey, woof, in the 45, 22nd overall, uh, the fourth worst of, of the regular full time runners. Now, across the board, RNL were just worse than last year. They were. Last, last year, across the board, I mean, Ray Hall was seventh in the championship last year. Sato was 11th. All of their cars could either only match that 11th or finish worse. Um, yeah, it's tough. Uh, for Graham Ray Hall, um, you know, I think it's to his advantage. It's not to his advantage that Formula One discriminates against the traditionally undervalued and developing nation of the United States when it comes to <laughs> motorsport respect, because Colton Herdick not going to F1 means that there is one more driver that will regularly beat Graham Ray Hall in the standings every single year. <laughs> now, I will say That's this. Rough. He is not struggling as badly as he did in his first two years with his dad's team, where he looked like a straight up nepotism hire. But it's fair to say that the halcyon years of 2015-16 are a bit behind him. He hasn't won a race since 2017. He's still good for several top 10 finishes. Nobody's denying that, but I yeah, need he, to see a little he's, more. He's still got the, the general consistency. I mean, 
Again, a couple of years ago, he was on the right strategy to win the Indy 500. And then finger trouble at the pit stop put an end to his day. Mm. But and we talked about this with supporter of the show, JB, in uh, one of our voice chats in the Discord, that what it feels like with Graham is that while the consistency is still there, the peaks, and this is, you know, partially Graham, partially, I'd say a big portion of it is RLL as a team. The peaks are just not there anymore. He's not going to randomly sneak, just just rip off a win in the middle of the year. He's not going to sneak podiums. It's just not there anymore with this team and with him. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I don't think Ray Hall was even on the podium this year, was he? I think he, he had was not. It was team, uh, this team, uh, other than Lungard's one, that you know, probably should have been a Christian win. Christian Lungard had their only podium and all three of the team's total facets appearances. Christian Lungard was on a heater to end the season, and he capped that off with a second-place finish that, if you ask some, should have been Wait, turned into his maiden victory at the Bridgestone Grand Prix. He was the first. He was the first car compliant with the IndyCar regulations across the line. Yeah, this is this is the way IndyCar does things. Unfortunately, they tend to have a knack of taking points away after the fact, but letting the initial results stand. It's really weird. I, as a James Hinchcliffe fan, remember this about James in his domed skids in Texas a few years ago when he finished in second and he got docked 20 points afterwards because his domed skid was too worn out and illegal. Um, this is how IndyCar tends to do things. It's weird. He skid on my dome until you can finish that. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> like, Rory James O'Connell to the sin bin. But um, the only thing more disappointing in this world than that joke was Jack Harvey. Oh, no. Um, um, no, and we love I, Jack. We love Jack Harvey, and this move from Meyer Shank Racing to Ray Hall Leonard Lanigan was, going, was supposed to benefit both parties. Meyer Shank Racing has a has built their reputation. They can sign time in Pagano and Jack Harvey could go to a more established team where he can go compete for wins just like he could have at Meyer Shank. Stank. He had one top 10 finish all season. And for reference, Oliver Askew lost the audition for this seat one year ago with one top 10 finish in three races. And Santino Ferrucci, who we don't even fuck with that much, yeah. matched, had one top 10 finish in this car as an injury substituted Texas. And that was the only time he got on board this car. Jack was, and it wasn't just what the lack happened? of speed. It was the, at times, appalling racecraft. Yeah. I mean, he, there was there was four or five incidents here, this year. I'm just like, bud, what are you doing? I, the, the biggest one I would say is just, and yes, I know, I know who else was involved. Hold your pitchforks. He he put a pile driver on Romain Grosjean right off the track at the Indy Road Course. Yeah. Just there were times this season where Jack Harvey looked completely out of his depth. And that's he was good last year. He was really good last year. He was solid midfield. He was in the top five. He was challenging for wins on occasion. You could see the upside in Harvey in a smaller team. And you thought, okay, he's going to RNL. They have a good upper midfield record. They're regularly in the top 10. This could be a really good move for Harvey. And a top 10 in the championship finish wasn't outside of the realms of possibility. Mm. Nope. 
fourth worst of anyone in the full-time field. That's dreadful. Uh, nearly, I, I mean, over 10 spots back from Ray Hall in the championship. And Ray Hall had a bad year by his standards. Yeah. He got annihilated by Lungard. You are the same equipment. Annihilated. Hoping, yeah. You're hoping that he can replicate the Felix Rosenquist turnaround from this season. Otherwise, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be that, quick outside the top twenty. I mean, even g- given the team he's in and they were raging mid this year. You can't be outside the top 20 in the championship. Not when Lungard is putting up, you know, six top tens, realistically a win. And that was with Lungard not being very good at ovals. There was some, there was some, uh, I want to say he got a top 10 in Iowa. Again, not everybody picks it up like Mansell did in 93, but there's a start. There's a start here. There's a start there. Good. Yeah, I, I do worry that Lungard's a bit mid on ovals. Hopefully he picks it up down the road, but that's the one chink in Lungard's game. Because besides that, he's a top ten driver. And I think Malukas, which we'll get to in a in a little bit, or right next actually next actually, um, is a, I think still a little bit more well rounded than him, even if the results don't quite show it. Yeah. But Lungard on road and street courses is a beast. He is a he is a guy that can challenge for podium finishes in that car right now. Um, which is something that we didn't even get from Ray Hall for for most of this season, which is very, very impressive. Like again, F1's loss. Certainly, IndyCar's gain. He's escaped the curse of the number ten ART car, and he we he, we've got something with Lingard he's in this got, series. He's he's done so well that the Alpine Academy has looked on, and Laurent Rossi has decided, you know what? We've done so well. We don't need to have an Alpine Academy anymore because there's no way we're going to top this. No, we keep <laughs> we keep developing drivers, and no one wants to race for us. Oh, well, I'm sorry. The reason why he wants to stop his driver academy is because they got burned by Piastri after he didn't offer him a contract. Oh, well, uh, maybe he should simply uh, try harder. Speaking of trying harder, the little team from Illinois that could, Dale Coyne Racing and mm. all of its associates. David Malukas was 16th in the championship. Takuma Sato was 19th. It's a tale of two teams. Two drivers from two different generations. One who's just starting their career, and the other, you argue, maybe they're at the end. Yeah. Uh, we go to Malukas first. Uh, well, the hype was real. There's something here. What hype? What well, hype? Because, because... In, the, in the shadow, in the shadow of King Kyle. Mm. There's still plenty of praise from those in the know for Mr. David Malukas and put in a couple giant killing performances. Lots of speed in this guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like we we were we were harsh on him first race out at St. Petersburg where he put it in the wall off the marbles there. That was the only driver enforced error he made all year on track. That's already a good sign that you're not making very many mistakes, which is promising. And then you chuck in the fact that he was challenging for fast sixes multiple times over. Yeah. This kid's got raw, unbridled speed. It's very, very impressive. Um, 
It was a half a second away from snatching the win on the final lap at Gateway. He was 18 points short of winning Rook of the Year because Dale Coyne's strategy giveth and Dale Coyne's strategy taketh away. Three top 10 finishes, two fast sits appearances, and if you ask many, should have been voted as Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year over Jimmy Johnson, but... Yeah, no. Jennifer, I can kiss my butt for the way she was talking about him during that 500 week. I don't care what you tell me. That was out of order. I'm like, I'll tell it, you this. I haven't seen, a, America hasn't seen a Lithuanian talent since this impressive since the great Arvidas of Bonus first came to the Trailblazers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this was a great first year to build on. I mean, he was throwing hands with Joseph Newgarden a couple times. Yeah. That's, that's impressive stuff on any level. He's he's a very talented kid and one to watch out for in the media. We've called him now the bus cousin a couple of times now because of his appearance on Bus Bros. This guy's got charisma oozing out of him. This guy's going to be a media darling for a decade. I can tell already. Um, he as has long all- as his career development, because yeah. I've seen this happen with another Dale Coin driver that should have been Indy 500 Rookie of the Year, mm. moved up to a d- brand new big team in his second year, and then, well, they're racing LP twos now, and that's Ed Jones. M- hoping this is different. I mean. His family's company, HMD, they're w- they're willing to spend money, not just on him, but on other prospects. Mm. It's, there's a lot there. There's a lot there to like with Lucas going forward. I hope, like you say, I hope he sticks around Dale Coin. I hope they, they can nurture his talent and use him because there is definitely a very fast race car driver here. No doubt about it. RJ, talk to me about your man's Takuma. Um. There was a report from Marshall Pruitt and Racer.com, one of these silly season reports late in the season that emerged that apparently Andretti and Coin were trying to arrange some sort of trade to get Sato back in exchange for sending Devlin DeFrancesco off to Dale Coyne. Now that's been called off. Uh, Takuma Sato says he wants to come back this next season. It's looking likely that he will for his age 46 season. This man seemingly never aged, and I don't know if it was just because moving to a new team is hard, but it definitely felt like the first real signs of Takuma Sato has finally starting to fall off. And mm. it's debatable whether or not, you know, we should run another full season or if he should split it with Linus Lundquist, Indy Lights champion, Benjamin Peterson. Also another Indy Lights contender out of the HMD stable. It's tough to say. I'm hoping there is one more good Indy 500 run in Takuma Sato because like for a while Takuma Sato was the fastest man in practice. Then it mm. just didn't come together in qualifying in the race. And then uh, I think Ganassi laid out their works on the table. I mean... There just wasn't a lot here from Takuma. It felt like he felt anonymous where like nothing, especially we we know how Takuma is. Dre, say the line. Uh, Not now. Sato! But it just felt like a nothing burger of a season. I mean, even at the 500, it just wasn't much there. 
Yeah, yeah. like he, he, he was running like so he had top ten pace f- for most of practice, and it just didn't come together as, as RJ alluded to. Just wasn't there when it when it really counted, unfortunately. And that's kind of the story of Sato's season. The only real massive bright spot was that alternate strategy running gateway where he finished in fifth. That was really about it for Sato all year. And yeah, like it it, it might it might be one year too many for Takuma at this point. Father Time remains undefeated, and it's a big ask for Takuma to keep this up at, uh, at, 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 at going into his age forty six season. You know, he, he's hoping, no. I mean, I'm hoping that you know because we were saying this when he went back to Andretti the last time. Mm. Then he ripped off a five hundred win. You know, maybe this could be one of those like Matt's Kellerman exposed for saying Tom Brady's gone off the cliff moments and he has a few good years left in him. Yeah, Hopefully. maybe. But uh, the only yeah. thing going off a cliff for Tom Brady is his marriage. <laughs> oh, now we dating another podcast. Oh boy, mm, no kidding. But uh, should we get? Should we talk about uh, about about Uncle Ed? No, because he's not a full time driver, but his team is full time. Ed yes. in racing. Connor Daly in the 20, Renus VK in the 21. Renus VK was 12th in points. Connor Daly was 17th. Uh, I would like to ask for a heat check on where this team packs out. You don't have to specifically say they're above Ets team or below Ets team, but like VK has the team's only win since Newgarden left for Penske. Mm. And they have always prepared rockets for the Indianapolis 500. Oh, yeah. But outside of that, Not much. Renus VK has a long-term contract extension. I feel that he's going to hit his ceiling before that point. But, man, this season felt like a bit of a disappointment because Renus VK still has immense upside, right? Absolutely. Pull at Barber, finish on the podium, start on the front row at the Indy 500. Again, ECR builds rockets for the 500. The best 500 specialists in the field. Six top 10 finishes. But that balances out with back-to-back unforced crashes at the 500. He was the first man out. Yikes. Mm -hmm. He crashed out on his own in Detroit. And then he had the mother of all spatial awareness issues at uh, Portland. And he finished 12th in points. This blew Jimmy up for no good reason. I mean, it was a a mixed bag for, for Arenas because the speed is clearly still there. Absolutely. But yeah. race management, racecraft, I would argue he regressed about as far as I've ever seen him in the series. I'll give Renus this. He was hip-checked multiple times over the course of the season that ruined oh, his race. Yeah. Like, Renus VK, I think, like, it, it, Renus is in a weird place in that IndyCar's had a youth explosion in the last two or three years. Yeah, Renus has not had that big come and get me season that Colton Herter and Pato Award, hell, even Felix Rosenquist when he first rolled up in IndyCar was eighth in the in the standings as a rookie. Yeah. You know, so like he's like they've had big seasons to, to, to say, I'm here, I'm an established player. VK has the one win and not much else. I mean, this is year three, I want to say, of Renus VK in IndyCar yeah. now full time. Yeah. And it's it's good, but as we would say yeah. in the UK, it's good, but it's not quite Carlin. Um, because unfortunately, we've been spoilt with other 
young drivers that have had even bigger upsides than Renus VK has since he's rolled up here, i.e. Colton, Pato, and Alex Polo. I will argue that when Renus VK switched on, right, I, I, I hate that I have to argue that, like, mm. if we're talking about the youth movement in IndyCar, Renus VK should be in that discussion. Yeah, but the results just don't quite show it yet. It's really weird. And yeah, like it's just not quite come together for Renus yet like it has for other drivers on the board. And mm-hmm. it's a shame because I think Renus, you're right, I think the upside is as good as anybody's in the series. I've seen his speed. It's blistering on occasion. He's, one of, he's now genuinely one of the best 500 qualifiers in the field. Top four, pretty much every year. He's like but, Ari Leyendijk if he had road course credentials. Yeah, but it's it's just not quite there yet, and it's he needs to take another step. Hopefully, I would argue that he regressed this past year as far as just race management, being able to race around people because he put some great moves on people uh, during the twenty twenty one season. Mm. Uh, had a couple legitimate overtake of the year contenders. Yeah, oh, I can't yeah. think of any major, major on track action with him this year that didn't involve him either getting badly hip checked or him blowing someone up. Right. Just Connor Daly. Connor Daly worked for a while to get this full time ride. He got the one. mullet. He then he got his haircut. He had that five that hometown hero Indy 500 performance that he had last year that basically won him this seat that Ed Carpenter could finally let go and become uh, and let somebody else drive the 20 full time. He was 17th in points. He didn't finish outside inside the top 10 outside of the month of May. Uh, Iowa was supposed to be a really good weekend. He started third both races. He converted that into 19th and 16th. They just didn't have the race base. It, what happened? It, it's it's incredibly frustrating because uh, Connor Daly is such an easy guy to root for. And his story of driving for something like nine different IndyCar teams over the course of his career is... It's something out of a John Boys video, more than anything else. But uh, are you saying that Connor Daly is the Jeff Francoeur of IndyCar? Precisely. That's exactly what I'm saying. Oof. However, <laughs> at a certain point, you've got to look back at the situation with Connor and and just say, "Is this it? Is is this the peak of Connor Daly's powers? Because he was better when he was at Foyt." And that's saying that's something. rough. That is a rough statement in the context of this podcast. He was 17th this year. He was 18th in his one season. His best year arguably was in 2016, where he arguably had a more complete rookie campaign than his good friend Alexander Rossi. But Alexander Rossi won the Indy 500. Whoops. Um, you do. I like Daly. I like him a lot. And I don't, again, I don't, I'm not fully convinced of ECR as a team on road and street courses. And look, Connor Daly, to a degree, is still the bad luck Brian of, of IndyCar. Because You've seen his hot tub? Yeah, good <laughs> Lord. But they my, my, still sucking the marbles out of it to this day. Oh, yeah. Um, but 
at the same time, I can't help but get the feeling that given that Daly is no sprinting, he's, he's, he's 30 years old next month, Connor. Like, Connor he's not, Daly's 30 years old. He's oh, not man. a young man anymore. He's not this prospect that, you know, it, it still has... Yeah, you know, this still has something to develop. He's thirty now. He's he's only a couple of years younger than Joseph Newgarden, and like it, you have to wonder if if this is the best you're going to get from Daly at this point, then is he worth keeping around? Because I'm not entirely sure what he brings to the table at this point. Because he had a big 500 this year, and yeah. the rest of his season just wasn't anywhere near that. I think that I think the five hundred bought him a lot of goodwill because uh, yeah, I mean, the five, if you can put it, in a good five hundred, it cures all ills. Yeah, yeah. But I also think it might have been a bit of a blessing in disguise because all like all, a curse in disguise, you say, because it also meant that it flattered the rest of his season. I mean, yeah, it's fair. I, I've long considered like Ed Carver to be to be our generation's Gary Bettenhausen. Gary Bettenhausen fantastically quick driver every year he went to Indy just could never get it done. Ed looking like the same way Connor will see, but it seems like Connor Daly is becoming the adopted son that Ed Carpenter never had. Does Ed Carpenter have children? I'm sure he has children at this point. I think he does. I think, I think we'd be, I think we'd be like less harsh on this team if they weren't sponsored by web three funny money. But you, all the funny means, money means yeah, must, don't take right? the funny money. I, I just think we've been waiting so long for ECR to take that next step outside of the ovals. Yeah. And they just don't. They have not had that dude show up since Joseph Newgarden. In and, have, and even then it was flashes of Newgarden. It yeah. wasn't uh, it wasn't consistent. And then Newgarden got into Penske equipment. Yeah. Whoops! We'll how that turned out. out. Yep. McLaren. Era McLaren SP. Padawa Ward seventh overall. Felix Rosenquist right behind him, eighth overall this year in the five and seven cars, respectively. Padawa Ward is still that dude. Um, He's the so fun. Joint best qualifier in the sport this year. As a fun fact for you, starting average six point six on the year. Very, very fast indeed. Eight fast six appearances, including the 500. And despite this, somehow only one pole position, funnily enough. Um, still ridiculously fast. Let down by McLaren and maybe one gamble in May. Well, maybe two if you consider the Grand Prix as well. Yeah, I'm thinking that Grand Prix of Indy, like, why'd they leave him out on those tires? That was, Silly move. you know, genius that doesn't work out is madness. That was complete fucking madness. Yeah. You know what really killed it? You know what really killed any hope of him? In hindsight, like, Nashville was like the final knife in the back, but those back-to-back engine failures, the engine failure Road America, the fuel pressure failure Mid-Ohio, that re- that were, those were painful to yeah, absorb that- in the middle of a championship run. He was on the form that, you know, if he just keeps this going... He could have more or less done a willpower to willpower and just mm. bringing home really solid results and taking the points with them. But well, just so many mechanical failures for McLaren this year. 
in a in a supplier series. Yeah, yes. just they were just not reliable. They were not reliable um, uh, across the whole uh, season. And it hurt, McLaren unreliability ruining a young star's championship threat. No, no, it's, time it's, it's, is a flat circle. It's it's a startling announcement. Uh, it's, it's absolutely shocking that this came to pass. But uh, look, we are more than inclined to give Pato the benefit of the doubt. The man's yeah. a monster. Like he's you saw him overrun everybody at Barber. Like obviously he had help getting to the front at Iowa in the three hundred mile race, but once he did, there wasn't there just wasn't any stopping him. No, the. I still, in the grand super license debate, still say that Pato Award is a more complete IndyCar driver than Colton Herta is, even though Colton's maybe got the better win rate on track record. Pato Award is a free-tool driver. He does everything well. He's fast. He's consistent. He doesn't make many mistakes. And he's he, an easy guy to root for. Remember, incredibly easy guy to root there for. There was there was a very there was a like a very good chance that he doesn't even get to Indy Lights, let alone Indy Car. Yeah, he's had to bite and claw and scratch for every result he's ever gotten in his junior career, um, and he is now pound for pound for me a top three or four driver in this entire series. Seventh was a was a disservice. The Pato Award this year, and by the way, on the other end of the coin, delighted that Felix Rosenquist is still going to be here next year. Hell yeah! Like they gave him Craig Hampson, championship-winning engineer in the off-season, but he enters the month of May, 16th points, and right, you're thinking, yeah, this is it, this is wraps. But then he doesn't He's win the 500, the but he he finished fourth in the 500, and that was really you're thinking maybe that's done enough to save his season. You get through all the mess that's gone on. And while mm. he's doing that, he finishes third in Toronto, gets back on the podium. He already won pole at Texas until his car broke. Then he gets a second pole at the Brickyard Grand Prix. He finished the year, he actually finished the year ninth at points. It's not bad at all. It's, it's a- he, he stepped the hell up when he needed to to save his seat. I, mean, I just look, I look back at the 500 and both of them, both of them had a chance to oh, win was that eighth. race. Yeah, so he was eighth. He was ahead of Rossi, Herta, Ray Hall, VK, Grosjean. Good yeah, names. The 500, the 500 saved a season. And, and then not, he not carries just that. Like, the two of them had a chance at the 500 and just got outgunned by superior equipment in the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, I mean, we watched Marcus go by Pato. Like, he, he had six hold pistons. I know at yeah. the time we were thinking that like Pato could have stayed in the throttle on the last lap. He was saying he didn't have the horsepower to make that stick and get by him cleanly. I don't know. Ultimately, like they're the most complete Chevrolet team at the 500 every year because ECR builds fast cars. They don't usually well, finish all that well. Well, Penske's fallen off a cliff since 2019 and have not climbed back up. Yep. So this team's going to be expanding next year to three cars. Alex Rossi is coming in. Is that going to be the difference maker for them? Is it too soon for a three car expansion? I wonder because we saw I what have, RL did with the expansion, and I'm worried. I have but one question for them: Which Alex Rossi do they get? Mm. Because if you get if you get arguably fastest guy in the entire field. Electric Overtaker, Indy 500, yeah. perennial ty- perennial threat. Yeah. 
Alexander Rossi, then you are set. Yeah, you've if reinforced you get, you're the best Chevrolet-powered team at the 500 all around. But if you get the Alexander Rossi that walks under ladders and steps on cracks for a living, well, it's not going to go so well. Could and be a long year. We have no idea which one we're going to get because this year we got just about every Alexander Rossi you could possibly imagine. Yeah, every single one. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, Can I just say as well, because uh, I know this has been like, it's been a wild year for McLaren. We'd love to talk about how Zach Brown is just playing the system, working us all into a shoot. Taylor mm. Kyle, who basically runs this McLaren SP team, he's done a fantastic job to just keep it all together, regardless of what, just whatever he can control, he, he's doing a damn good job at it. They finally become more than just a team that sets the car up for Pato and everybody else just deals with that. It. That right there is, I think, the biggest step that McLaren made this year. Massive is that Mechanicals aside, they raised their floor enormously compared to last season. Hmm. Felix was 21st in points last season. He Nowhere. Look, 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 nothing like the driver who, let's not forget, was throwing hands with Scott Dixon for wins at times. in The, the driver clip. for hire. Driver for hire, Felix Rosenquist. Yeah. He looked completely different this year and made a they all made a big step at the five hundred. And then you go out and you get Alex Rossi. Like uh, on a team side, they're doing everything right. Mm. They just have to shore up that mechanical yeah. reliability. If if we get the Alex Rossi of twenty nineteen, everyone on the grid needs to be on notice. It's yeah. that simple. Because he is a guy that can win you a championship. He can win you anything on paper if Rossi is at his best. So if you, it depends which one they get. It's it's a roll of the dice that I think is certainly worth taking. Um, what it, what what will come up with it? We'll have to wait and see. Speaking of Alex Rossi, Andretti also sports. Oh, oh let's put the hazmat suits on. Yeah, uh, the four-car fleet, 26 of Colton Herta was 10th overall. The 27th of Alex Rossi was 9th. Beat him on countback right at the end. Romain Grosjean in the 28 car, 13th. Devlin DeFrancesco, oh dear, 24th. 23rd. 23rd, 23rd. just a handful of points ahead of Kyle Kirkwood. Mm. It's a lot. Um, Here's a big question for you. Mm. Is Andretti out of the big three? Yes, Yes. Without even uh, th- that is a silly question. Yes, McLaren back, but McLaren SP has uh, has supplanted them. Yeah, both both McLarens beat every Andretti over the course of this season. Felix stepped it up. McLaren just looked like a better run team at the moment. Yeah, and and I that's think the most s- of the teams here not named AJ Foyt Enterprises look better run than Andretti did this year because you have one of the best melting pots of talent. Yeah. Devlin aside, King did not pay me to say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, We know their engineering strength. We know that they are basically best buds with HPD and Honda. Mm-hmm. And they were a train wreck. 
Let's just get Devlin out of the way first. Like, I, I'm not one to tell George Steinbrenner IV how he wants to spend his money as an IndyCar enthusiast, but you could tell how much Andretti Steinbrenner racing really, really misses Colton Herta since he went from what was then the 88 car to the 26. Twenty-nine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well yeah, yeah. Okay. This, never the mind. 88 was the tw- was the 29 was the 88 before then. It's all mm. confusing. Numbers, Hen- kids. Hen- Hendrick numbers moving to uh, EXE. Num- numbers, um, numbers hard. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Devlin was, to be fair, I do think that he improved over the course of the season, but the start was rough. I mean, taking it three wide to the apron multiple times at Texas, causing multiple multi-car pileups. Three of them Not things. ideal. <laughs> but uh, to his credit... Took the blame for the crashes. Generally did improve, but then it's a percentage of it's a percentage of not much. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that much better than a James Hinchcliffe that was on the way out with who was racing injured. Um, yeah. Romain Grosjean. It started good. He had a podium in just his third race with his brand new team at Long Beach. He's still good at qualifying, but. His average finish was three places worse than he had last year with Dale Coyne and Wick Rare Racing. And then the narratives of old came back. The mm. narratives of old Romain Grosjean came back. Fair or not, sometimes it wasn't fair, sometimes it was. Particularly, and it wasn't even just like, you know, him getting into beefs with other drivers. It was the fact that there's a lot of hype around his Indy 500 debut and it ends with him spinning out and hitting that's not great. No. It was the definition of a mixed bag, and I think that is pretty much every driver here with Andretti. Um, there were some decent peaks, but the thing I noticed most about Grosjean is that for most of his season with Coin, he was very consistently you know, top class in qualifying mm-hmm. and at least competitive in race pace. It was just up and down all year for pretty much every Andretti. One weekend, you'd have a couple of their cars in the top five fighting for wins. And then the next, uh, Romain Romain Grosjean and Alex Rossi are fighting each other, quite literally, outside the top ten. And then, and then that cartoon fight cloud is getting Colton and Devlin swallowed up into it, and it's not even their fault. We yeah. had a race this year where every Andretti hit each other. And, and then each must- other again by hitting different teammates. <laughs> it was the wackiest race of the entire season. It was the most newsworthy headline race of the season, and for all the wrong reasons for Andretti. Andretti running around the paddock area. Where is he? <laughs> it was- Overzealous team representatives telling Indianapolis Star reporters to delete their recordings. Yeah. <laughs> thank goodness. Thank goodness they walked that back. Yeah, yeah, good, good, good job from Christahade getting the scoops, but um, yeah, it was. It, there's not a lot of good to come out of this camp this year. We expect Andretti to be a bit higher up than fringe top tens. Yes, they got one, they got a couple of wins on the year here and there. Yeah. Um, Herta was still like. Okay, I'll cover Grosjean first. Grosjean was the walking definition of mid by the time this this all was all said and done. This was not what was supposed to happen with Grosjean. Like, yeah. there were people out here predicting this man was going to lead this team. 
He has there not. There were people that were going to predict him to win the championship. No. Like, and, and, then, and, he, was, and he was nowhere near that this year. Abazana Rossi is at least back. You know, is ish. he though? He's fifth he... in Indy. He's back there. He's got three podiums. He got a pull at Roan America. And he finally broke that winless drought with a non-zero amount of help from a drinks bottle that may or may not have been too heavy or too light. Who's to say? So he won a knows? race with an illegal car. Um, he was the yeah. only Andretti worth a damn at the 500. Their 500, where they are usually at least fighting for the win. They were nowhere all day. Yeah, Rossi was the only man even close, and even then, it never looked like Rossi was going to win it. I mean, it's it took Polo and Dixon dropping themselves out of the equation, uh, mm. self-inflicted or not, to get him into the top five. And mechanical failures, and Alexander Rossi at the five hundred, who is damn good at the five hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Grosjean again. Sometimes fighting for top five, sometimes fighting to stay in the top 15 with seemingly no rhyme or reason. Rossi, the peaks were good. The floor was uh, resting somewhere in hell. Barnhart. <laughs> Barnhart, and then there's Colton. And then there's I Colton Herta. I don't know if he's going to get to Formula One next year. Likely not. I don't know if he's no, going to get there at any this year. stage. At this stage, the answer is, I mean, he's kind of self-admitted. He's more or less aiming for 2024. And man, when he is on it, that yeah. Indy Grand Prix, when he's on it, he's one of the best drivers on planet yeah. Earth. Yeah, he is. Like, you saw that save. You saw the way he carved through everybody and the wet, like... That's the dude, Helmut Marco, sincerely or not, believes that like this dude can race in the trademark pinnacle of motorsport registered trademark. You know what his season gave me a lot of? His season gave me a lot of the same vibe. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It gave me a lot of the same vibe as Kyle Kirkwood's. A very talented driver. Just who already has a tendency to overdrive overdriving even further to try and drag this team forward because Andretti were just, they had too many weekends this year where they were just another team. Yeah. Yeah. No, Get Long Beach in the bag, but that would, but everybody's going to talk about the carb day wreck and the flip of the 500 that writes off his primary car. And he has to go out there and just wheeze, to a pitiful display at the 500. Paul, he withdrew, his car was withdrawn due to handling problems. Yeah, I mean, he, it, he was told to sit. Yeah, it started out pretty ungood with an engine failure, then the crash in practice, and it just spiraled from there. He had one of the worst uh, months of May that I can remember in recent times for a yeah. top team driver. Yeah. It was brutal. Completely derailed this season. And it's not the first. That's like the third time this has happened for Colton Herter in his IndyCar career, where the 500 has completely torched his season. I was saying, phenomenal qualifying in 2019. Car explodes less than 10 laps into the race. Yep. Jeez. Maybe, I mean, look, if the F1 thing doesn't ever happen, the potential to be one of IndyCar's all-time greatest drivers is still up there. He does not turn 23 years old until March 30th of next year. It is weird to think he is not even 23. 
But and yet he's he's been talked about so much for the time he was in indie lights as an eighteen year old. I mean, Andretti has to do something to arrest the slide because yeah. it's it's not a one off thing. This is a trend, and it's getting worse. They've they're not, not going to downsize yeah. next year. It's looking no. like they're just keeping everybody slide in Kirkwood in place of Rossi. I really hope that works out. I say, and uh, I mean, they're going to pick up Kirkwood. I mean, the overdriving twins of Kirkwood and Herta. They um, they need to get these guys some good equipment. And regarding the atmosphere within that team. I can't imagine that the the ongoing feud between what seemed like everyone, all four yeah. of them, did anything to help Rossi or Grosjean's season. Yeah, look, well, no matter which way you slice it, Andretti, a big team with arguably the the second biggest set of resources of anyone in the field, is going to have one driver next year that's won a race. One. For what used to be the most stacked team in IndyCar. It's going to be a wild dynamic next year. There's going to be a lot of high risk, a lot of high reward, and it's going to be a lot of boom or bust. And like, yeah, like Colton Herder is an incredible driver, but the results have slipped for the last two years. And I'm, 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 I'm not. That's not all on him, but it's partly on him. And they've all got to get their shit together because they're better than this on yeah. paper. And we are not supporting andretti for 10th 9th and 13th on the year that's nonsense not not when not when you've got you know the set of drivers that they and next year you're picking up kirkwood again the only guy who could get anything out of an aj foy car this year you luck back into him after you wouldn't give him a chance because you wanted devlin d francesco and his sponsorship more at the time yeah, yeah. They coughed up a year of Kirkwood's development for that, and that's not ideal for anybody. Right. Chip Ganassi racing, folks. One of these things is not like the others. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have Jimmy Johnson, who was 21st overall in the 48 car. We had Alex Polo in the 10, who was 5th overall. Scott Dixon, 3rd in the number 9 car which is quite disappointing for Dixon's standards these days. And Marcus Erickson, who was sixth, but did win the big one and took the 500. <laughs> yeah, just to recap, because uh, every podcast is somebody's first. Scott Dixon had as good a season as Will Power, arguably in some aspects better. He finished every lap. He had the more top 10 finishes than everybody else. He was remarkably consistent, but one mile per hour on the pit entry too much cost mm. him both the Boardwater Trophy and the Astor Cup. Despite, and he wasn't even that good in qualifying. He had the record-setting Indy 500 pole run, and then after that, he only makes the fast sits twice. No, and he, also, he casually had the the best qualifying run, maybe in 500 history, and used up all of that speed all in that run alone. And also, you know, Marcus Erickson, even if his ceiling is like, can't get a championship, still an Indy 500 winner, and still ridiculously consistent, if not spectacularly so, most of the time. Hmm. Jimmy Johnson. It's uh, time to have a dialogue about Jimmy Johnson, right? Second year, we got what we came for out of the Jimmy Johnson experience, right? Did we? Uh, we got... Fair enough. He had a few moments on ovals that 
you could see the Jimmy Johnson of old. That save in qualifying at the 500. Everyone had their heart in their mouth watching that car slide. And he caught it. But then the results just don't really show. Yeah, because like, look, you can stomach the like all because like Jimmy Johnson on a road course in NASCAR was not the best, but still very good. Jimmy Johnson, a high downforce IndyCar at age 47 on a road and street course is not great. But you can stomach the pain of all the spins and crashes, although Toronto and Portland were definitely not his fault. You can stomach that, but not when one of those crashes is the most hyped Indy 500 debut, arguably in the last decade, on your own, and it could have cost your teammate the chance to win the race. Oh, it did. And not only it, it was a stupid crash as well, because he just threw the car in way too low, hit the grass, and then crashed the car. Yeah. Yes. Look, let's be real here. That was what we were really here for for Jimmy. This was going to be this was meant to be all that investment in Jimmy Johnson. This was the dream scenario. He races the 500. That was meant to be the big meal ticket, the big coupe for IndyCar, and he was disappointing. In every sense, the qualifying, you know, the qualifying, he botched his, his fast 12 run and then in the race itself he crashes there too. Like Yes, he had two excellent races in Texas, um, you know, and and you know, and what have you. He he clearly is good on ovals, like he's clearly good for the most part on ovals. The road and street courses are dreadful, and look, it's not so bad there because let's be real here, like IndyCar's ratings are not that high for those races. But you're here for the 500, and the 500, he was piss poor. By his standards, even he had he was, a car that could win. Yeah, he was quick in bursts. Uh, his race pace was not there as much as his practice and qualifying pace was before the save. And yeah, just yeah. But and the thing is, RJ, what the hell was that? With, what the hell was that a gateway? It was not great. Although he did improve across the weekend, and this yeah. is still a significant improvement on the year versus last year. You could see that the step that he had taken. Yeah. But he's also in a Ganassi car where Ganassi was busted at the 500 this year. Dominant. Tony Kanaan nearly won the 500 at age 47 this year. <laughs> That's great. Tony Kanaan was on the podium. Let's not forget this. <laughs> 470 years old. Like, it's, 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 this was not what the Jimmy Johnson experiment was supposed to be. I don't care what you tell me. Right, this was going to get another year of it. You know, Carvana wants to stay with him. Johnson indicated he wants to come back to IndyCar. He 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 also wants to do Garage Fifty Six. Who knows what'll happen? Mm. I'd like to see him get one more crack at it, but that's got to be it, right? Depends how it goes. I mean, if he takes another step, sure, sure, fine. If he can, thing is, his pace on the ovals is okay. It's the mistakes, yeah. That and I mean again, it wasn't even like a driving mistake at the uh, at the five hundred. He just went into the corner way too low mm. and bent the car. Um, sure, fine, another year of their experiment. But I guess the story for Ganassi's season is good, just not quite good enough. They got four wins. 
a lot of teams would love to have four wins. Not Penske, Penske. had nine. They had nine. <laughs> um, mm. and, and Penske's resurgence on road courses more than anything because I mean, they were dog water at the 500 again. Yeah, Chevrolet uh, made gains. They made gains. Couldn't really see him elsewhere. I couldn't really see him at the 500. Yeah. Um, it really didn't leave the Ganassi cars. I mean, once Dixon had that mistake and Pelot had that caution come out and they still pulled some points out of the 500. Yeah. But it left them vulnerable for Penske to just pick them apart on road courses. Yeah. There was, they, they were too much of a freight train and we'll get to them in a minute, but just four wins on the year for what we knew is a team that is going is meant to challenge for the championship is just not going to win any very much. Like you're relying on Dixon to only have two wins. You're leaving the door open for him to be beaten. And that's ultimately how this season played out. You gone won five of them for Christ's sake. He won more than Chip Ganassi as a team did. And but then, then it wasn't Ganassi who left that door open. Like, One yeah. mile per hour. Yeah. One of the most, I think this will go down as one of the greatest errors in 500 history. It cost right. Dixon everything. Dixon would have doubled up easily if it wasn't for that. He would have tied AJ Foyt's record with seven national titles and got that second Indy 500 that many people feel like he needs to legitimize his legacy. Thank goodness they're keeping Alex Pillow after all oh of my this. God. It, like Marshall Pruitt wrote for Racer.com, it felt like a weird fever dream. And thank goodness they're keeping him because last impressions are everything. And boy, that last impression when he beat the field by Ultra 30 seconds. Ultra beat him down. <laughs> oh, yeah. A 30-second win. <sighs> a 30-second win over fucking Joseph Newgarden. <sighs> ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Look. That was the beaten down that Pol- that to remind everybody in IndyCar that Alex Polo is that dude. Like he is still so so good at this. We forget we forget he's he- there was three or four races this season where he was second and he was narrowly beaten by, ironically enough, a Penske and or Pado Award guys who we all know are also really really good in this series. But Polo is a magician. I've said it. Countless times. That's my nickname for him, and I'm going to stick with it. Polo is a magician. He finds ways of pulling ridiculous results out of nowhere, and he did that quite a few times this season where he undercutted himself into play. He strategized himself into track position, and again, Laguna Seca was the cherry on top. That was a crushing victory to win that race by 30 Mm. And we look at the 500 as Dixon's error, but we forget. Alex Pillow was throwing hands with him. Yeah. Those two were more or less running away with it. And then Pillow got caught out by a caution that just fell the wrong way and basically ended his race. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just completely, just complete bad luck. Just one of those things. Um, Lady Luck at the 500 does play a hand in this sometimes. And yeah, Um, Pillow was unlucky. Yeah. I don't know. How long Alex Pillow and Chip Ganassi Racing are going to stay together after next season? I'm glad they worked things out to a peaceful resolution for next year. Mm. I'm glad he's going to race. I'm glad that all of this can now just be swept aside for the moment. Indeed. 
probably for the probably the best for all parties concerned. Their core is still incredibly strong. Polo and this Dixon, is, uh, and we haven't even mentioned Marcus Erickson ended up winning the five hundred. Yeah, which is huge. Mark- a, a narrative busting victory and one of the highlights of the entire motorsport year. Fucking good for Marcus Ericsson. After all the years of people saying that he was just another pay driver in Formula yeah. One, you know, good for him to stick two fingers up to the F1 snooty crowd by winning arguably the biggest race in motorsport. Wait a and- minute. This is my gimmick, Trey. <laughs> Stolen. Take I'm the car hawk at the store. <laughs> And, uh, I, I am Mace Windu. I balance both sides of the force. Like it's just how we, it's just how we do things around here. <laughs> ultimately, Marcus Erickson's biggest crime was, you know, again being beholden to Penske's road course superiority for the rest of the year, and his teammate is Scott Dixon. Doesn't help. But what a win! If you're going to win one thing, win that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> take take one of those over the you take one of those over the championship every year. Of course yeah. you do. Uh, Team Penske. On the on the note of championships, mm. here's where it ended up. Here's where the Astro Challenge Cup finally rests. A reminder: first, second, fourth. That was Penske on the championship this year with their three cars. Will Power in the number 12 car, taking his second Aster Cup. Joseph Newgarden for the third year in a row, championship runner-up. Newgarden must be getting really sick and tired of losing to someone just, just an inch better than him. Um, and Scott McLaughlin, year two, fourth in the championship overall. Um, is there a weakness here? Um, it's the Indy 500. And yeah. I'm sure that they're just tanking their form at that race deliberately. That way they cannot be accused of having Roger Penske as the owner and of the Speedway in the series. That way they can't be accused of rigging it so that they win the Indy 500 every year. <laughs> or maybe Chevrolet's just lacking horsepower at the well, 500. And they- look, 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 look at it this way. They were first, second, and fourth in spite of mediocre or to terrible 500s. That's not nothing. Yep. That's real good. That's ridiculous. That's just how good they were. And that is with, you know, especially in the case of New Garden and McLaughlin, leaving a lot of points on the table, whether at mechanical failure or just near driver error. Yeah. Mm, mm, so good. Like, you know, we we've spoke and waxed lyrical about willpower so we'll get to him towards the end and we'll keep it brief but scott mclaughlin year two fourth place overall the month of may is what probably did him in from a genuine title challenge this season he's got spun out at the grand prix in the wet he follows that up with a wreck in the indy 500 and you know after that, he goes to Detroit. He goes off the course. He has a very anonymous race. But after that, he goes on a heater. He gets three wins, three pulls, seven podiums. Driving for Penske helps, but this isn't all of why he turned it around this season. He's a monster. <laughs> he's a freak. Uh, there is no other way of describing it. I do not know how he's been able to turn this round from supercars and pick this up so quickly. It's astonishing progress. Scotty Mack. There is only like, one Scotty McLaughlin. And I mean, 
it's not just because the thing is he's driving for Penske. There were times this year where he was making Joseph Newgarden and Will Power look run-of-the-mill ordinary drivers. Portland. He crushed them in Portland. He crushed everybody in Portland. That, that, that was destruction. He, he led 104 laps out of 110 in that race. He well, we like were all, he, well, we were all staring at the tire fire that was uh, Andretti's race at Mid-Ohio. Scott McLaughlin just fucked up and won the thing. Yeah, yep. easy. He, he, and it, that's the thing about it. I, I'm, this is a bold take. McLaughlin might be the best front runner in IndyCar already, and that's a terrifying thought because when it comes to dictating the pace of a race, the three times he got to the front of the field, he won all three times. Two like, of them, he had Alex Pillow breathing down his neck. Oh, you know, just a defending national champion. Didn't have an answer for him. Pillow couldn't touch him. <laughs> Same thing at Portland. He had power behind him the whole way through. Power was not in his league that day. Like, nope. Like McLaughlin, if Scotty can raise the floor, oh, oh God. God. Oh, God. Uh, look out, because he's not going to have a hole in this game. And at this point, he might be the best of their 500 runners, too. That's a terrifying thought, because Newgarden's never really been able to put together a 500 under Penske. Powers had his Newgarden moments. Newgarden is now on the clock as old guy without a Borg Warner. Which is crazy. Look, and I, I, I and with Penske just... struggles, he's not even been close, really, yeah. any year. The, the, the terrifying thing is, if you looked at New Garden's championship record since joining Penske, it reads like Scott Dixon's. New Garden is arguably pound for pound the best driver in the series now. Like it is, he is there every year, and he can win anything besides the five hundred if he's dialed in. Five wins last year, the oval driver of twenty twenty two besides the five hundred. Three oval wins on the year as well. He's stupid good. I can't stress this enough about how good Joseph Newgarden is when when he's dialed in. He's as good as anyone in global motorsport. I stand by this claim. He didn't start I mean, off this season in a huge hole like last year. Uh, he was no. just so much just peace and balance throughout the season. And, you know, that that broken damper at, at the Iowa 300. That's what I was going to say. Person. Yeah. He was putting boots to asses in Iowa too, and the car let him down. And he's not the only one that that happened to this year, but in in crunch in clutch time, in winning time, that more or less ended his championship because there was nothing more that he could do once that happened. He went from twenty fifth really. to second at Laguna Seca, and it wasn't enough. Nope. That's tough. There's not a soul living or dead who could beat Alex below. Because and the and in the terms of the championship, when nobody when nobody is really consistent, you can't do much better than a fit than a 50% plus podium rate on the season from William Stephen Power. 12 top fives, 13 top tens, five poles for the all-time record at 68 for his career in a second championship. Still I mean, got it. He just pointed the field to death. Didn't give him an inch to breathe all year long. Was always in the mix. Was always there. 
Marcus Ericsson took the championship lead after the 500, and bless him, Ericsson held on to it for a lot longer than I thought he was going to. But Power was just breathing down his neck all the way through and then ran clutch at the end of the season. Just did not put a foot wrong besides Toronto pretty much all year long. Like, and that is despite 15th place at the 500 in an anonymous Penske showing. Yeah, it just didn't matter. Everywhere, everywhere else, he was phenomenal. Like I, I, we mentioned it on the last week's show, average finish on the year was under six. Now look at this, okay? I got the results up in front of me. Uh, Ericsson pulled a hundred and nine points from the five hundred. Power pulled thirty-two. <laughs> Newgarden oh. pulled thirty-four. Oh, just- I mean. Penske's superiority. They both ended up in front of him. Yeah, I mean, Penske's superiority on road courses this year. We we had seen flashes of it the last couple years that they could still get it done on road courses, but nothing like at the rate that we were used to. Mm. Now we're about there again, where if you want to win one of these road course races, you're going to have to beat all three of Penske's guys now. You're damn right. It, it it was a long time coming under this new era, but, you know, Roger Petsky, I'm sure he's decided to rig this game for himself. No, uh, Will Power was amazing. I said it on, la- on the last episode that, like, going from the back to finish third at Mid-Ohio, coming Clutch. off a Road America weekend where you got dumped by Devlin DeFrancesco, the greatest test of your brand new Zen Master attitude, and yet just about kept it together for a season-saving performance. Mm. Oh, what a year we've had. What a year we've had. That was a fun season, everybody. Dude, it was. It, it, was, full of, it was full of some wild-ass discourse, but I'm glad we got through in the end together as one family. Uh, just some notes on some part-timers. It's a shame Dry and Rhyme Racing only run the 500 because they prepare good cars for that race. Mm-hmm. J.R. Hildebrand and Tatiata Calderon deserve better than have the legs cut out from them. Was Indeed. that the last we saw of Juan Pablo Montoya at the 500? Probably. If it is, I'm glad we got to see him back again. I'm mm. glad we got to see Simona Di Silvestro back running some road course races. Love Simona. I hope Pareta Autosport finds a budget for more of this stuff. They probably will. I think they're saying they. they I think they're saying they might do at least ten next year, which almost Love a full schedule, which is great to see from the from, from the Pareta team um, and what they're doing for diversity in motorsport. Very, very important indeed. We love them for it, and long may it continue. And best of luck to Simona trying to get into the Winter Olympic team as well, because she's out here pop-slaying. Oh, what a woman. Um, oh, that's awesome. We, we love her. What a, what a girl. We love, we love Simona. Um, best of luck to her. That'll do it. For IndyCar in 2022, uh, we, we just about got through it in the end. A fun time. We mentioned some of our favorite moments earlier. Dixon's incredible qualifying run. Colton Herter in Indianapolis was was off the charts. Marcus Erickson putting two fingers up at Formula 1 and winning the 500. So many great moments. Tell us some of your favorites as well. Send them in. We might put them on the website at some point. But uh just wanted to just wanted to say thank you to everyone out there that's been just been listening on listening for IndyCar this year. We know you guys talk about us on subreddits and things like that. We do read them. So thank you all for tuning in and choosing us to stick with us. It's uh, very much appreciated. 
Shout out to everyone that, that follows RJ as well on racefans.net. They've been very, very loyal to him over there as well. Um, and yeah, thanks for reading our stuff on M101 all season long. We've been very, very grateful for that. Um, IndyCar will return. I believe it's the first week of March, probably. There's, we haven't got the full calendar just yet. Um, I believe it's still in the works, but allegedly, I think it's going to be first week in March. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll keep- March 5th, tentative date for the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete. Yep. So yeah, the first weekend in March, we'll be back for IndyCar. And of course, we'll do a 2023 season preview to iron out some of the last remaining seats and funky business before then. But uh, yeah, uh, that'll do it for IndyCar this year. I'm not even going to bother going for the social media queues for the because we've done an hour and a half, and you know where to find us. Thanks to everyone that's been listening in. Much appreciated. We'll be back. MotoGP and Mategi hopefully next weekend we'll have to wait and see but yeah fingers crossed everyone stay safe out there in japan but until then i've been dre harrison they've been cam buckley and rj o'connell thanks to everyone for indycar in 2022 and until then sayonara later y'all blood sweat tears dampers Urine, vomit, <laughs> sweat. Ooh, that's sweat. Thank God we're ending the bodily fluid count there. <laughs>